0: Welcome back to the John Harrison podcast. My name's Tanner Hubbard. I've got Melissa Dunn and Madeline Baker here uh, to do another episode on accountability. And in this, um, in this podcast, we want to talk specifically about accountability in a remote working environment. So what are some of those differences we need to be aware of and we need to focus on when it comes to um, the accountability factor on our teams, but potentially with members that are not sitting next to us that aren't in the same building? Um, something we've all dealt with um, over the last few years, probably Probably in some measure but there are clearly some companies that may never go back to a full you know in-office uh, type work environment and so I think this is something that that is good for us to get a hold of and, and handle the right way um, and not just hope it goes away. So um, to that end, um, one, one thing I think will be is a good setup is uh, Melissa has a very unique perspective. I know from her background because she had 25 years really kind of in corporate America um, prior to 2020 when a lot of people were forced to go remote. Um, I do think there were things we've all, you know, got thrust in the middle of. Um, so I, I want to talk about those just a little bit because I do think what we're going to see is maybe some commonalities and some things that haven't changed or shouldn't have changed. But there was clearly things that have changed. So what were some of those challenges just when you got thrown into work in a remote work environment? What, what, what were those things that you had to figure out for the first time ever?
1: Yeah, so I... I was quite frankly in a bit of shock because I thought I was going to be at home for a couple of weeks (laughs) and it turned out to be almost two years. So um, with that, you know, one of the things I remember the most was the challenges of virtual uh, workspace and just meeting, you know, being able to find the tool that we were going to use. Um, If you remember early on in 2020, there was like a breach with Zoom capabilities. And so we were using that and then we pulled back from that and then no, We became an MS Teams-using company. So there was a lot of challenges around that, just figuring it out because people were using different platforms. But once we got past that, I think it became more of uh, really trying to figure out how to stay connected and what each individual person on the team needed because, you you know, John talks about this in the sessions, you couldn't see everyone's eyes every day. I mean, you could potentially, but it didn't really make sense to have a 10-minute meeting every single day virtually with office people office people that were in professional roles. So you had to figure out where that balance was in terms of it. But, you know, going back to the expectations piece of it, right, Uh, sitting down and having a conversation about what do you need in this type of environment? What works for you? What is too much? What is too little? Um, And then also, I would think just making general connections um, was a bit of a challenge, because we went from being able to get up and walk to someone's office right next door to going, oh, maybe I should text that person first. They're at home, you know, maybe they're eating the kids or, you know, maybe they're taking them to school or whatever. It's not a good time. So you just had to learn what the flexibility points were and the best way of communication. And then also what the expectations were behind those modes of of communication. So, um, just some of those things were comical, some of them were challenging, but at the same time, um, you know, it really gave us a different opportunity to uh, work through some of those challenges and know what what worked for people because it, it truly is different for everyone. I think the the most common thing though is everybody still wanted to remain connected.
0: Sure, mm-hmm. absolutely, and that is something harder to do when you're not sitting in the same room with somebody. So, before we talk about some tactics of, because I do think we can offer some suggestions of how you can hopefully go about that accountability factor, uh, within your remote teams. Um, but Madeline, from your perspective, what is, I know with, without having direct reports, um, yet at some point, she'll probably be leading a very large team for us. I can, I, am well, yeah, well, maybe (laughs) it's not, well, you're very, okay. Well, um, she's very good at what she does and, uh, some will have her cross train or something and get all that knowledge out. But, um, but from your perspective, what's something, you know, working for the John Harrison team, we've always been remote, um, ever since you joined us. Um, that's just how we've been because we're a small team and we've been spread out. But what are some of those things that have been helpful for you or or some things you had to learn in in a remote environment as it relates to accountability?
2: Yeah, it's kind of all I've ever known. Um, I did work in an office setting for a little bit um, and it was it was wonderful because I could turn to my boss who's sitting right there and be like hey can you review this let me know your thoughts it was just a lot easier so what Melissa said about having to then now text and be like hey can you jump on a quick call or um, sending an email it just it takes so much longer and I am always second guessing like you know, are they busy? So one thing that's been super helpful is everybody keeping their calendars updated. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all have like a shared calendar so we can see, oh, I know Melissa's on a call, so I'm gonna wait 30 minutes and before I send her that text. Um, Or being able to say, hey, this isn't urgent. Putting in those little little things whenever you do contact them just so they know like this doesn't need attention right now or it does, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, that's been helpful uh it was really hard at first knowing kind of working hours cuz i've never worked i also stepped into i've always worked shift work um whenever it came to like working in retail spaces during college and then after college and then i did work in an office setting but i was still going through school so like it wasn't a consistent 9 to 5 um and coming onto the john harrison team it wasn't necessarily a consistent nine to five. Of course, like we have expectations that if a client emails us, like we have to, you know, reply within like certain parameters, there's certain things like that. But um, I've always worked like a little bit of a flexible schedule, I guess you could say. So having to figure out like, what does that look like from an hourly standpoint? What does that look like um, for me at my own house? And we don't have kids right now. Like I can work until five o'clock in the morning if I want to, you know, I can uh, have this like, weird work schedule. But I've also realized what's healthy for me and what's not. And um, especially if I want to be in contact with my team members, I can't be contacting them at 5am if I'm up working on a project.
0: Well, you can with me because I have a four year old <laughs> and a one year old. So believe me, I'm up at 5am. Sure. But I totally get I, more likely, yes. I don't want to be disturbed at 6pm when we're trying to do dinner with them. But that's a critical yeah. point, though, like knowing your team and knowing those core operating hours, yes. but then those things that you can do on your own and don't need someone with you. Do those whenever works best yeah. for you. Yeah,
2: and I will say scheduling emails is fantastic. Being able to like if I'm up late working on a project, but I need feedback on it or I need I have a question, but I can schedule an e- email for 8 a.m. Like that's that's been great. So um, yeah, having like a set schedule is something that I don't necessarily love, but. I feel like I have to do and it helps me, especially time blocking. Like I really will, I'll sit down at my desk and be like, I'm gonna work on this for this many hours without distractions because distractions, that that can be hard at home.
0: I think the most healthy work environments are not measuring time and I do think that's one of the frustrations that a lot of companies had when they first went to remote work Um, or tried that out and decided they didn't want to do it or whatever, is that all we've ever measured in a lot of companies is when you clock in, when you clock out. And so when you're not doing that anymore, it's like, well, what are we watching? How do we know if people are working? Um, but that's why, it, you know, all joking aside, we were joking offline. It's probably in our outtakes, you can go um, hear us joke about this. But um, we at the John Harrison team, we talk about amount of work done and we have to-do lists and we have projects and we have deadlines. And so if that stuff gets done, we don't really care when you do that work. And we hire adults and we trust those adults to be able to set their own schedules and set those realize taking everything else to account. If i'm sending something to a customer it needs to be in this timely manner it needs to be t- between their working hours and things like that when i'm reaching out to my team members i need to know what their day schedules are and evening schedules are with their own families and stuff like that and so my point of that though is if you get away from the whole timeliness thing and start looking at what your people are actually doing for you all of a sudden accountability looks a little bit differently because i don't care if you finish that project at 2 a.m or 12 a.m if you're able to be Meet with the team when we said we needed you to meet with the team, and you're able to finish that project when we said to finish that project. Then why does it really matter when you did that and when you? And so um, that's just a, a key point there. But Melissa, I know you had something else on that.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, you know, like from a leadership perspective, is making sure that you set that expectation up front in terms of how many times you would expect to meet with the person in a week. Don't just let it creep away and creep away to where you've been two weeks or three weeks from having a one-on-one discussion with someone because that time goes by very quickly. And if you're not intentional, just the same as the time blocking that works for you, Madeline, I think time blocking and going ahead and scheduling, getting it on the calendar to have those regular touch bases with employees is equally important. So just... Don't lose don't lose visibility of that. Yeah, and don't be afraid to schedule them out. You know, like we've looked
2: at our calendars and yes. set. You know, we have all our quarterly performance reviews already set. We have one-on-ones, like, you know, even just phone calls. Like I remember, um, I haven't done one with John in a while. <laughs> don't get mad, but <laughs> <laughs> um, John and I used to do like we would set. I think once a month, like just a thirty-minute phone call, just to check in. Um, so yeah, and we would put those on the calendar. So being intentional about you know,
0: doing that. So John, if you're listening to your own podcast, Yeah, we need need to set up up a a phone call. and you're really falling behind as busy as (laughs) you, but totally kidding. We clearly, our team has continued to grow and adapt and um, we now have four full-time team members. And yeah, that looks differently now than it even did three years ago. But I think those are critical points about being proactive and setting some of those uh, things out there. Another piece of kind of tactical advice I would offer um, as far as the accountability factor in remote work is realizing that... um, the, those one-on-one conversations, I love Zoom and phone calls and all the ease of remote work. That's fine, but you've got to set up some in-person time with your people. Um, and again, you that some of that may be out of your control depending on your organization, but as much as it relies on you, I would make those regular. And I'm not saying every day or maybe even every week. That's probably not feasible for a lot of you. Um, but at least once a month, have a one-on-one or have a small team meeting, depending on the size of your group. Um, but case in point, we're here recording these podcasts right here today. We're doing this in person as we do a lot. We do have some remote capabilities for that, but at least one person has to be sitting, uh, usually Madeline, taking care of all the podcasting um, technical stuff. And so we have to do this in person. Well, we regularly have a m- every Monday morning, the three of us have a one hour Zoom to just do a weekly checkup, look at our schedule, look at our priorities, Sometimes it's a little less than that, but that's on the calendar every single Monday. Well, this Monday, because we needed to record some podcasts, we went ahead and met in person and did our recording and our meeting together. And guess what? That one hour meeting turned into three hours. And that's not in a bad way. That's not like, oh my gosh, we should have stuck to Zoom. That was because we had three hours worth of stuff that probably wouldn't have come out over Zoom because we took the time to talk about and finish up some projects that we were getting close to finishing on. But back and forth emails and back and forth you know, phone calls and, and conversations on Zoom, there always is some kind of a time limit to those because if you're sitting on Zoom and you're from nine to 10 and you have another call at 10, well, you're not gonna start a new topic, right? Because you're, you've you got somewhere to be. That that happens less when you're sitting around the table, uh, literally with people. And so that's one tactical thing I would offer is don't forego the in-person meetings if at all possible. They don't have to be all the time, but you can't lose them completely because something different happens when you're in the room with people than just virtually.
1: Yes, definitely. Just one other small tactical thing I would think about, and this, again, was an adjustment for me in the beginning, right, because I had never worked from home, ever. And that was just adjusting things from um, blocking out the noise in, in the house or in the room. I mean, I know, Tanner, you have small children. Madeline, you don't have any yet, but you have a couple of pets. Yeah, my cat's always <laughs> trying to, like, get in my lap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I know that so- sounds really kind of silly, maybe in some ways, and basic, but I, I had to set up a space, you know, and um, both my kids are grown, they're gone from home, but my husband still needs attention when he walks in the door, and I'm like, hey, I'm working until 6 p.m., can you give me that space? You know, or, or whatever the situation may be. Um, but just be intentional about that as well and blocking out that space and making sure you create, you know, a space that's quiet and conducive to what it is that you're doing at home.
0: Oh, that's great. And one last thing I want to tag onto that. Cause something we've heard, our team has heard really over the last probably three years now, three years plus is <clears throat> there are people who love working from home. There's people who hate working from home. Sure. We do think that the most happy productive people have some sort of flexibility. They're not required to all work at home, they're not required to never work from home, but they have some flexibility where they can have some days, remote days and some in the office days. Because I do think that there may be hopefully not a lot but there probably are some CEOs and C-suite level people who just assume well if you work from home you just go to that home office of yours right and most people don't really have a great setup where they're completely you know isolated at a home office soundproof you know a lot of people are working from the kitchen table or do have small kids like myself or you can i guarantee you can soundproof as much as you want in our house and Jack and Carter will still find a way to make noise in my office. Right. I mean, there, it's just, so you can't avoid all of that. And so I think as leadership, we've got to take a step back sometimes and realize like we all have different situations when we're not in the office. And so knowing your people and knowing what they need and, and what's helpful, um, I think gets the best out of your folks. And in all honesty, if you're an all remote uh, situation, you might need to create a space to have a, you know, an office that somebody can go to, you know, if they need to, like a a temporary workspace or whatever. If you're always in the office and you have no flexibility, you might revisit that and think, how can we give people some flexibility a couple of times a month to be able to work remotely and still get their job done, but not be doing it from a desk. And then lastly, we know some companies do not have the opportunity to do remote work right some people are working on a factory floor they will never be able to do that from their living room or from their home office we get that Um, i still think it's up to leadership to to make time to have those conversations when you talk about accountability because the last thing i want you to think is this whole podcast about accountability and remote working is only about people who are working from home because guess what if i go in and clock in at seven o'clock work for 10 hours, clock out, and immediately leave, I can have just as much interaction, none, with my supervisor as if I never left my house, if that makes sense. And so if leadership isn't taking that responsibility to create those one-on-one conversations, don't for a minute think that you're holding people accountable just because you can see them all day. And so that's something I think it's, it's critical for the leadership side, but employees, you need to be open to that as well. When your leader wants to set up those one-on-ones, be receptive to that. It's good for you, and it's good for them as well. So thank you for- for joining us again for another podcast. Uh, We very much appreciated talking about this subject and I hope it was helpful to you. Look forward to having you on for our next one. Um, But until then, um, continue to invest in your people and continue to uh, live out the VIP way in, in the ways that are helpful to you and your organization. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or thoughts about today's episode or even ideas for your future episode, you can contact us through our website at johnharrisonvip.com or follow us on any of our social media platforms.